This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Starting a family is undoubtedly an exciting time, but the reality of seeing a positive pregnancy test can send even the most laid-back woman into a spiral of sleepless nights. Trust me, I've been there. We're here to tackle the conundrums that keep many mums-to-be, just like me, awake at night when they find out their life is about to change forever. Hello and welcome to Baby on the Brain, a podcast brought to you by Stylist Magazine, dedicated to the big life questions you face when you find out you're pregnant. My name is Fliss, I'm the digital executive editor at Stylist and I'm pregnant with my first child. Every week I'm joined by a different co-host and today I'd like to introduce my first co-hosting duo, Sarah and Laura Smith of the Smith Story fame. The couple run a family-based Instagram influencer account detailing life as proud mums to daughter Annabelle and their soon-to-be new addition to the family as Laura is 16 weeks pregnant. Together we're going to be tackling the big life questions about being feminists through pregnancy and motherhood and if it's possible to raise girls and boys avoiding gender stereotypes. Welcome Sarah, welcome Laura, thank you so much for joining us on Baby on the Brain and a million congratulations on your pregnancy. How are you feeling Laura? Oh, thanks for having us. Um, I'm feeling really pretty good now. Thank you. I had a a rough first trimester, but I'm very happy to be in that easing of the second trimester. (laughs) Oh, I remember that so well. And now I'm in the third trimester. It's all coming back to haunt me. I feel like I'm grumpier than ever. (laughs) watch out there (laughs) (laughs) today we're here to discuss all things feminism and motherhood which is a huge topic so I think we're just going to stick to a few key points but as a feminist and an intersectional feminist myself I've been thinking about what that means during pregnancy and motherhood and I'm going round and round in circles about my values and and where I stand. Where do you guys sit on this topic? (laughs) That is a very good and big question. I think (laughs) certainly uh, as one of the uh, the half of the duo that's been pregnant, I think it is a really interesting point of view because actually when you're pregnant, it makes you question a lot of the things that you had never really considered before. I think Mm. you suddenly start questioning how you're going to influence the future generation and therefore how you are kind of living your life and what that means. And I think in some ways it kind of made me feel even more of a feminist because I started looking around thinking, actually, that's not right. And I want to make a change so that my daughter grows up and doesn't face those same challenges. So I think, you know, when I think of feminism, I think of equality and I think of of women being equals. And that really hit a nerve because you know, even as a woman, you look around and you go, okay, that's not fair. That's not equal. But when that, when you're fighting for your future child, that's mm-hmm. a very different kind of point of passion for me. Cause I'm just like, well, no, there's no way that should be okay now, let alone yeah. be okay for our daughter. So yeah. So I think for me, it raises issues I hadn't considered before, certainly. And we're a lot more passionate, I'd say about it now than we were before. Of course, always we were always feminists but now yeah I feel much um we're active feminists yeah <laughs> if that's yeah. The thing. <laughs> we're far more vocal about it and I think when you're pregnant and you have to I guess kind of stand up for yourself 
that gives you a new strength. So actually being a pregnant woman is the first time you're ever really in that situation where you're controlling not only your future, but your your baby's future. Mm. And that is something really powerful, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think the second thing I wanted to touch on before we bring in our guest, um, and we will talk to her about feminism and motherhood, and I'm really sure she's got some strong opinions on how we can all tackle that. But um, it's a slightly different element to the conversation, but it's all linked in. It's about raising children without gender stereotypes and whether that's possible. And I suppose my question to you guys before we start grilling our guest is, did you want to do that before you had Annabelle? Was that a decision you made? And if not, did you think about it? Absolutely. I think um, we were very conscious from before before Annabelle was even was born that we wanted her to like things that she liked, not things that were for girls. Um, so uh, and, and I think we've done a pretty good job at that. We've introduced her to um, an array of things, but also we take the lead from her. You know, she um, Annabelle has li- likes things like. Um, doll. Oh, well. She likes baby doll. She likes yeah. football. She likes buses. She likes like she has such a good varied um, interest. And I think some of that is because we did make that decision that we were very conscious. We don't want her to just dress in pink, and we don't want to um, just introduce her to things we wouldn't introduce if we had a son. Yeah. Mm. But at the same time, um, with a lot of a lot of our parenting has been really led by her, and yeah. so um, yeah, so we've done a lot of of just being conscious of what she shows a tendency towards and encouraging that no matter what it is. Yeah. But I think to your question, is it possible, is a really, really good one because I think ultimately being parents, you, there's only so far your influence is going to mm. hold up. And yeah. the younger they are, the greater that influence is. But actually, as soon as they're out of your house, they're in different environments, there's still this perception that girls are going to want to do girls things and boys are going to want to do boys things and and I don't know that even people consciously think that's a girl thing or that's a boy thing but certainly we bought a a, a doctor's kit for Annabelle and there was the kind of off the cuff comment of oh you're going to be a nurse well yeah or are you nurse Annabelle and we were like oh no no no, she's doctor Annabelle and you know and that was (laughs) it was was just a throwaway comment by a family member and nothing was meant by it there wasn't any kind it was just girls grow up to be nurses and actually Mm. you know when she was kicking the football around the garden it was kind of like oh you know that's nice and we were like well no actually we're thinking about putting her in football club oh well won't that be where all the boys are well so maybe 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 she'll be just as good as the boys or better than the boys it's it's not you know that for me or or certainly for us we've never just gone right that's a girl's thing that's a boy's thing even for us personally there's not a girl's thing and a boy's thing so I think and I think we probably have a bit of a unique perspective being that we don't have um like heteronormative gender roles within our own family so we don't have but we just base things on what our actual skills are as opposed to like what would be the husband's job and the wife's job. Yeah. And uh, and so I think we kind of have gone down that same road with Annabelle. So I'd say is within your own household, you might be able to do a decent job of raising without gender stereotypes. But yeah. because there's so much outside influence, all you can really do is prepare them for that world and prepare them that other people are going to think that they may not be able to be a doctor. Um, but in fact, because you've instilled these qualities in them, you know, they know they can be a doctor and they'll go after that if that's what she, you know, if that's what they want. Yeah. <laughs> and it is funny having a sassy two-year-old who is quite ready to tell other people that they are wrong. So I'm hoping that's a sign um, that we've done a good job. Yeah. She is ready to tell any boy to get to the cooking or the cleaning. Or, yeah. So nice. it's, yeah, certainly from her world perspective, there is no gender roles there are no you do this I do that kind of thing it's just everyone's equal so she is going to single-handedly unpick the unconscious bias of the nation (laughs) one by one one across her yeah uh, she certainly knows what she believes to be right yeah uh... (laughs) I mean it sounds awesome I think um we should bring in our guest to help us decipher what's going on here um, and to understand a little bit more another person, another mum's opinion of 
feminism and motherhood and pregnancy and all of these very big questions that we're posing right now. So it is my pleasure to announce that Sarah Jane Crawford joins us today. Sarah is the star of Screen and Radio with years of presenting shows across major British networks, including ITV, BBC and Channel 4. Alongside her hit radio show, Sarah has launched A Womb of One's Own, a podcast exploring the differences and feelings of women across the nation navigating their biological clocks and fertility stories. She's also a mother of one. We're thrilled to have you here with us today, Sarah Jane. You've been listening from the wings. Let's start with the big question. Uh, Where you stand on feminism and pregnancy and motherhood and all of that amazingness? Very big questions um, and very big answers. So I grew up as a bit of a tomboy, to be honest with you. Um, And I was always very anti anything that was kind of like typical girly. You know, I hated wearing dresses um, and I was my mum's first daughter. So she she would always laugh and say to me um, later in life, you know, I always dreamed about putting dresses on you and you were just like, no. So I'd <laughs> always be tearing around in like my favourite jumpsuit and trousers and um, I was always arm wrestling the boys and I was in a football club um, as well and I was like the only girl there. And, um, but it was, but yeah, but it was funny because I did, I did have like crushes on boys, but the funny thing is, is that I would like use my love of football to like get chatting to them. So I would like be a tomboy, (laughs) but like still have like these crushes on boys and be chatting to them. But like, do you know what I mean? But getting in there with them with lads speak, it was the weirdest thing. And that's how I kind of grew (laughs) up. Um, And so, but I always had like a lot of female friends as well. Like I am a real girl's girl. I wouldn't say um, that I was one of these girls and when I say one of these girls I just mean that I know that there can sometimes be a girl who prefers male company because they just have more in common with men I wouldn't say that I'm that I would say I definitely am able to be like one of the lads but um, at the same time I love you know female company and I love girl chats and and as you and for me as I've gotten older as well I've really appreciated that there are certain things that I think that women do need each other for um especially when it comes to things like pregnancy. Um, and I think that the experience of being a parent is different man to woman. It's an interesting point, actually, because when I was doing my reading earlier, I um, I did see women are almost brought up differently to think about parenthood differently. Boys aren't brought up to think about being parents or any of that, whereas girls are brought up to think about I don't know their their future as a mother, and but that's why boys. Do- yeah, it's crazy. No, it's so strange actually because having this kind of genderless upbringing that Annabelle's having, where we haven't kind of put anything on her in terms of what you should do. One of the strangest things for us is that she is so maternal to her dolls. Oh yeah, just naturally. Like one of her favorite things, if she's not racing cars or kicking a football is to mother these babies. And we're and we are not us. Like, I've never liked baby dolls. No, we, we didn't buy her a doll. We wouldn't even have thought to buy her a doll. She just found some dolls at my parents' house. And the next thing is she's making their bed and feeding them. And so there is this kind of natural encouragement of her as a parent, mm. which is a weird thought. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's so strange because when you talk to other mums with boys, that's not necessarily what their experience yeah. is. Yeah, maybe yeah. it's impressed. But also what I found, uh, sorry, but um, I also what I found interesting was, um, so I uh, was the non, non-bi, non-bio parent um, when Sarah had Annabelle. And um, you know, day two, after after Sarah's C-section, she, she had to go in for an appointment and I was left with Annabelle and she was just, she just wanted milk and she was crying and screaming and it was so upsetting. And then I noticed that all the dads in the room, like didn't seem to, not didn't seem to care. Of course they cared, but they didn't seem to feel like they should be able to calm their child down. But it was an interesting point of view for me because as a mom, I really felt like I should be able to solve this. I should be able to stop her crying, but because I didn't have the milk, Um, I couldn't do it and it was really upsetting for me but I did think in that moment I found it really 
strange how, yeah, dads are kind of, they expect to not be able to be the comfort to their child, I think, yeah. early on. And that's just, and, and they can't, a lot, a lot, you know, most times, I suppose, they can't because a lot early days, all they want is that is that milk and that comfort. And um, yeah, so it is interesting, I thought, because um, I found it very, very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sarah Jane, just going back to you, what I wanted to ask you actually was, it sounds like your mum totally supported you in not pushing gender stereotypes although she wanted to put you in dresses she was there put, helping you going to football club you know it sounds awesome very progressive yeah I don't you know what it is so so they were quite progressive anyway because I was adopted so she so my my brother and I my older brother and I were both adopted and then down the line my mum ended up having biological children and they thought that she couldn't have children so that's a bit of a crazy story in itself but so I wouldn't say when I when we use the word progressive, it makes me think about people who are, um, she, I would say that she, she, she was progressive or my mum and dad were, were able to go through like extensive assessments, you know, because obviously when you adopt, you know, it's, it's not, mm. it's a good couple of years of being assessed. And so obviously they, they had a really good mindset in terms of, you know, what it took to be a parent. I don't think she was probably like new age in that she wouldn't push, you know, like thinking, yeah, I'm going to keep it like neutral. I just think that I was such a bull in a china shop and now I've got my own <laughs> mini bull in a china shop and my mum laughs and she's like, that's how you were. And I'm like, I can't cope. She's here, she's everywhere. So um, I think I was just literally just like that. I was really headstrong. And I always think about nature nurture all the time because I think about it because I was adopted. I think about it because of how important it is to be a good parent and how much impact you can actually have before there's so much in you know like control you don't have I think about it because I'm now a new mum and I think that there was I just think I was naturally somebody who was very sporty mm. um very confident um and just liked being very physical and wasn't very girly I did I did have a couple of dolls that I really liked um I don't think I was one of these young girls who would sort of emulate being a mum okay so the first thing I wanted to kind of quiz you on was well I suppose the point I wanted to make was I found my feminist values challenged by mother nature during pregnancy there is no getting away from the fact that in heterosexual relationships men cannot play an equal part in pregnancy and and I also think in motherhood because physically mentally you do end up taking on a lot more than guys so my question to you would probably be how can I reconcile that in my mind because the feminist inside me is screaming and every time he asks me to do something like help him put the bins out or the dishwasher I'm incensed because I'm like do I do you know what I'm doing every day I'm growing eyeballs today are you joking <laughs> um I don't know it's it's just been something that's been playing on my mind do you know what? First of all, even if you're not pregnant, don't put the bins out. Let him do that always. <laughs> <laughs> Let him always do that. No, um, do you know what? For me, what really resonated with me when you said about um, challenging feminist values was that extending on from the whole thing of, of growing up as a young girl who felt very much um, wanting to always, I was very conscious as a young girl to always wanting to be doing, I can do just what the boys can do. I used to think like that all the time. And then... Mm -hmm. Things change a bit, you know, you go through puberty and you start to identify with the real differences between you and boys. And then, you know, maybe you get into your first relationship from sort of like, you know, 17, 18 or whatever. And then it does kind of start defining differences. Or for me, it did anyway in heterosexual relationships, right? But I still had this idea in my head that, you know, um, I didn't want to be the little woman at home. And when I say the little woman at home, I'm just saying it as like a cliche type description, you know, the little woman at home, washing, ironing, cooking. I was very much, until I became vegan and then became obsessed with food, I was very much can't cook, won't cook. I'm a bad cook and I was proud of it because I never, ever, ever wanted to lean into the, fem to the to female stereotypes. And I was always very focused on my career as well. And I used to have it in my head, you know, well, you know, why can't a man be at home with the children? And I always had all these ideas. And then that sl slowly started to change because I really wanted to become a mum and I'd focused quite a lot of my energy on 
my career and that's why with my podcast a womb of one's own that's where that came from that passion to discuss you know like the biological clock and Mm. the modern day woman and the challenges we face in terms of you know how long we wait and whether we want children at all etc I started to feel in the last few years and also had a couple of things that could have presented fertility challenges like fibroids and stuff I started to feel like I really wanted to become a mum and changed my I don't know I just became really like desperate for family a baby and then um but I still was very much like why should women have to breastfeed? I don't agree that women should be. And it, you know what was really funny? It was only until lockdown that I started to, when I was doing all my mad online shopping and stuff, I was saying about the dress, <laughs> um, I was worried about like things like um, nappies and stuff because everything went mad. Everyone started shopping online, everything shut and everything was running out. So I woke up one night at like three in the morning and was freaking out thinking, no, what if I don't have nappies, this and that. And then I was like, what if I can't breastfeed? I'm going to have to get formula. So I started like bulk buying formula and all of this. But the funny thing is with the whole breastfeeding thing, and that's when it comes into like mother nature versus feminism for me was what I realized was, um, and as a vegan as well, well, I feel like I can't even call myself a strict vegan anymore, but like because of the whole formula thing, I was like, okay, if I don't breastfeed, I'm going to feed a formula and the formulas are always dairy. You can get soy formula, but they're not good for the babies, you know? So I was like, well, then I have to buy dairy formula. And then I was like, no, I never even thought of this. Then when summer came along, I really wanted to breastfeed. And all of a sudden, my brain just changed into wanting to do this thing, which felt very maternal. And I'm not saying if you don't breastfeed, it's not maternal because that's it. You can still obviously have this really close bond with the baby, whether you breastfeed or not. But as anyone who's breastfed knows, physically and emotionally is something that can not always make you feel very close to the baby um Mm. and so all of a sudden I'm like this woman who's like breastfeeding and prior to that I've been very like anti the pressure on women's breastfeeding because I was such a feminist about it if that makes sense and um, also as well during lockdown um I couldn't really work and I felt so ill during pregnancy as well. I took really early sort of maternity leave, stopped doing my radio shows and um, was very much at home all the time. And Brian was still working and yeah. and has really been the one financially holding it all together anyway. And so those roles have changed. Like I spent all of my life, way into my late 30s, always financially supporting myself, never relying on anyone else properties that I bought or any investments that I've made all me never was funded by anyone and when I say funded by anyone I don't mean it in a rude way but do you know what I mean I don't and I, I always kind of would like half judge women you know who would be like just like not you know like I, I thought not doing anything little did I know motherhood's like the hardest job ever and um even silly things <laughs> like um divorce cases where you'd hear stories of like people getting 50 women getting 50 percent and I think why don't they just work for their own thing until I got into the situation that I'm in now? And I'm like, it is so difficult. And of course you're going to be at home a lot. Of course you can't just carry on with your work or your career as you used to before. Mm. Of course you're going to need to be like, you know, yes, I, you know, have worked hard anyway. So I'm not saying that I wouldn't, I would have needed Brian to 100% support me, but of course someone who isn't then able to work because they're a mum, is going to need some sort of support, whether it's from the government or their partner or whatever, or maybe they've then got to work and be a mom mm-hmm. at the same time. So then I completely got the whole 50-50 thing because I was like, you spend years being a parent, you're not, it, do, it does kind of stop you from doing what you used to do if you were a career person, you know? So mm-hmm. this is where, for me, it's all been completely challenged. And sometimes I'll speak to female friends who will say, this is the natural way we're supposed to be or this is how you know what I think is really funny I feel like modern day society has almost gone back to more in some ways we've become very progressive but then lately I've seen things especially like if you look on Instagram and stuff I feel like I've seen things return to a very traditional that's why you're seeing a lot of girls like sharing about breastfeeding and Mm. even silly things like um people used to be not condemned for having children as as teenagers and, and young women but it was very much like get your education first save money first oh no she had a child she's 20 only 20 20 is a very fertile age but we would always condemn it before 
Yeah. Now I'm seeing a lot of people being very celebratory of, of being young mums, you know, like reality stars. People. Do you get what I mean? So I almost feel like there's been like a return to celebrating the traditional feminine role. I suppose actually the, the whole point of feminism is to give everyone the choice. So what's brilliant about what you've you've observed is that actually, yeah, do you know what? I would say 10 years ago, teenage teen mums in the tabloids were hounded and they were chastised and it was looked down upon. But the whole point of feminism is that we are fighting for equality and for the choice. So everyone has the choice to live their life the way they want to. Um, and yeah, you've, you've made a brilliant point there. I think um, we've also touched on some stuff from that I covered in the last episode of Baby on the Brain, episode eight, which was with Jolie Brearley, who um, founded Pregnant Then Screwed. And the world is not set up to support women in pregnancy or motherhood. The, the cost of childcare is the base rate. The cost Shocking. of childcare yeah. is how, is the reason that women are set back so often. And there was a really scary stat and I really, I hope I can remember it. I think it was that um, by the time a woman has a child who is the age of 13, um, their pay is a significant percentage behind any man who started their career at that same age because of the motherhood penalty. So you've touched on some really interesting points. Um, Sarah, Laura, I don't know if you guys wanted to jump in yeah no certainly uh, just to pick up on the breastfeeding point because I think I had an interesting similar journey to you actually Sarah Jane in that I was kind of like well I know it's advocated for but no oh, it's my body and I'm not sure that's my route and then actually when I had Annabelle and I don't know if I should admit it but purely through ease and and just pure convenience I suddenly became quite the opposite and I was like no I will breastfeed and this was prior to lockdown but I will breastfeed anywhere everywhere <laughs> and if you look and judge me more for you kind of thing because actually it felt quite empowering to be like no I'm sustaining my child in this moment mm -hmm. and the fact that you don't want me doing this in a cafe or somewhere else is your problem not my problem yeah totally so actually it then became quite empowering to be like no I can do this and I will do this so and so yeah so I thought it was interesting what you said about your journey with breastfeeding because I agree I think I think your opinions change as your journey into motherhood changes and even what you think you will be like before you have a kid changes yeah. very much from that point to when you have a kid yeah so, our like idealized parenting is so different than our actual parenting now it's just yeah but I think ultimately what you said about um you know how people have, have almost some people have gone back to more traditional roles yeah it is it's it's choice isn't it I think that's the amazing thing really that we have the choice how to have our baby we have the choice of whether to breastfeed or not we have so many choices within motherhood and our roles and uh, you know even even in our in our relationship I've always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom because um, my was, mom uh, one of the terms of agreement for marriage yeah was, you know, I didn't <laughs> want to get married unless she could be a stay-at-home mom because so. I felt that my mom as a stay-at-home mom really positively influenced uh, myself and my brother and so it was something that I it was very important for me to do so I'm very lucky that Sarah did not want to be a stay-at-home mom and uh, so even within our two female relationship we have um, you know a, a, like a career go yeah. better type and uh and a I, one I, that loves cooking and baking and yeah <laughs> I was really really challenged and and this to your point about that that kind of tax on women succeeding is that even though I loved my maternity leave the thought of extending it was not one that appealed to me I was like no I want to get back to work I feel like I've missed out and I feel like actually to give Annabelle what she needs, I need to be challenged and thriving in, mm. in my work world. And that's not to say, I mean, to your point, Sarah Jane, staying at home as a mum is challenging and thriving <laughs> in a lot of different ways. But for me, it was getting back to work kind of gave me that drive to then be better for, for kind of Annabelle in that sense. But it is interesting because at that time was when Laura was like, well, no, I want to take over and be a stay at home mum. And so... It is just interesting, even within our relationship, our different kind 
kind of views on what we deem to be our priorities. And the great thing about Annabelle going to nursery, sorry, at that point was exactly what you said, Sarah Jane, is that Annabelle was very social. And so actually putting her into nursery, it couldn't have been a better choice for her um, as well, because Sarah learned at about nine months that she couldn't be everything to Annabelle. Mm. She needed more stimulation. Yeah. And so when we put her into nursery, it was just, we saw her come on in leaps and bounds. Yeah. Even now, I where she's in one day a week, just for that social, um, you know, yeah, the social and the skills that they learn. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. So, I have a, a bone of contention I want to run by you all. And um and it's about the outside, it's bringing back that conversation of the outside attitudes and how we can um, kind of deflect that. And I, my upbringing, my mum was a head teacher, so she went back to school quite quickly. You know, you can't really take that much time off. And that was brilliant. She, you know, she's such a career driven woman. My dad was lucky enough to work for himself. So I had him at home. So I had my dad at home all the time. Um, The phrase daddy daycare is the bone of contention I want to bring up right now because it is, (laughs) it for me, it symbolizes everything that I hate about outside attitudes to motherhood and pregnancy. I'll I'll hear, and Brian is brilliant by the way, so hands on, but like occasionally he might say to someone, I'm babysitting. And I'm like, you're babysitting your own child. What do you mean you're babysitting? Like we are, or he'll say, I'll do that for you. I'll, I'll, I'll look after it for you. And I'm like, you'll look after her for you because she's 50% your child. So, and is that what you mean when you're talking about? Yes, yes, it is. Like, the thing is, it sounds like Brian is is this cut from the same cloth as Aaron. And, you know, it, he, Aaron would call himself a feminist and he does believe in equality. Yeah, and he's, he having, he's having a yeah. baby girl. Um, he's not going to go on the marches because he's probably more interested in watching the Six Nations with a pint with his mates. Um, but, you know... He's totally there for it. And we had a discussion about um, uh, shared parental leave and stuff and made decisions around that. But equally, he will be the guy who says, oh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm babysitting. And it will wind me up a treat. Yeah, like a favour. Yeah. <laughs> Not like a duty because you're a parent, but like a favour because actually the mum by default and then we'll just dip in and be like the babysitters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so for me, I don't know, the outside influence on that is how how annoying do I want to be am I going to be that woman that's constantly like you're not babysitting it's your child or actually he's not doing daddy daycare it's 50% his genetics yeah 100% you should say that because I think it's good to remind people of the way they're viewing something even for me I have to I have to like even the other day when I was had those couple of days nights away and then the next day, Brian had to go to work and he took the baby with him and she was sat with him in a meeting and all kinds of mad stuff was going on. And then a, a, oh, yeah. Yeah, and then a mutual friend of ours came and grabbed her and, and had her for a couple of hours. But I felt weird that he had given her to somebody else rather than I had. I felt like, oh, my goodness, now my child's with someone. Even though I know this girl and she's great and she teaches children and she's amazing, um, I still felt weird that... But then, but that's on me though, because really he's 50% of the equation. So if he feels that he trusts the situation, he, and do you know what I mean? So I then did what everybody else is doing by saying, you're the default parent 
and they're 20% of it and they will do a favour. Really, it's for me to then go, no, he's doing it, so I'll let him do exactly what he's going to do because he would never feel weird if during my watch of summer I then gave to somebody or what do you know what I mean like yeah, it would just totally. be like your mum you do whatever you want to do and tell me about it after and I'll go oh interesting so I think that sometimes and I don't obviously you'll be able to feedback and tell us how you feel when the baby comes but like we'll, we we have we probably do end up like shooting ourselves in the foot as well because as much as we want to correct the outside world we then probably do some of us slip into the mode of thinking, no, I'm, I'm, I know best, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, definitely. I think ultimately that phrase daddy daycare is, is so um, symptomatic of how men are made to feel like they're less of lesser of the parent. And, and a lot of the times that isn't the case that they don't want to be that. Um, but I feel that some of the, they're kind of predisposed to be. And it makes sense, you know, when, when we've had the baby, the, the maternal instinct is there. You've just grown this mm. thing inside of you for nine months. So, of course, you're going to want to, like, be in charge of it. But ultimately, yeah, it's, it's good for it's, it's good for them to want to step up and tend to step up because they are. They're 50% parent and uh, and they are just they should be able to be just as trusted I guess as as you are yeah absolutely all right so here's another question for you both how young is too young to start talking to your kids about gender equality and women's rights well you know what's funny when I when when I was pregnant I was downloading all of these um very sort of like feminist like women's rights but for but for nurseries, I think it was like on Etsy or something. I was like feminist nursery artwork, and I had all this stuff and books and things. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I'm going to do this and that. And then, um, and then I think by the time she came along, I was so exhausted. It just ended up being like, um, what did go on the wall? I think it was bunny rabbits. <laughs> oh, like, amazing! Nice. <laughs> I've tried to find a really nice Kamala Harris print. Oh, lovely. Yeah, from when uh, Kamala Harris took someone down, didn't she? Um, She said, I am talking. Yeah, I'm speaking. Yeah, I am speaking. And I really want that as a print. Sorry, go go ahead, Sarah Jane. That's amazing. I love that. No, I just think it's funny because there's so many things that um, I've always been really, I think, obviously, being that she's my first, I've always been really fascinated with, um, like I say, nature nurture. So things like how much they absorb, you know, when they hit milestones, not that there's any race, yeah. but just like watching her and just finding it so fascinating, everything that she absorbs. And so things that I'm into, like music or, I don't know, speaking or wanting to teach her how to read, like there were all these ideas that I had of things I wanted to introduce her to straight away. And I kind of did and have, but then I also then just went into survival mode of like, I'm knackered. <laughs> so there were yeah. just times when like I'll whack on baby TV and children. There are just certain things that I would be like, no, I, I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to do that. And then in the end, I just fell into like, not fell into the trap, but there are more often than not, I'll just think, right, what am I doing today to survive? So yeah. it's really funny because I do think, um, yeah, I think it's great uh, an idea in your head about um, how early you want to introduce anything positive and especially in modern times, you know, the idea of, yeah women being very um I think I think it will come naturally as well I think if those are your ideas and your sentiments then it will just come naturally in terms of how you in conversations that you have as well and the Mm. woman that runs the nursery that um summer goes to because they're very excellent at development but they're also very big on kindness so it's nicely balanced it's not like we're forcing the kids to be really clever but then they're all mean and it's also not oh, we let them do what they want, but then they're really kind. It's actually very big on development, but then they're also lovely. And so she's really, Brian and I find her really fascinating, the woman that runs nursery. And so we're always asking her questions. The other day we said to her, when is it that they start to like think about dolls are for girls or when is there any actually she said these days boys and girls pick up the dolls equally and she doesn't really yeah. notice there being much of a difference. It's more would be more what the parents would introduce. Um but she said that at around did she say two years and nine months it was really specific she said then there's this real knowledge of you're a boy I'm a girl you might have short hair I might have long hair she said there's a little bit of a of an awareness of that type of thing around that age and I just thought that was really interesting and I know your little one is she too yeah I was was just counting I think she's she's turning three in July she's she's actually at that age where she might start to 
well I mean what is her experience of, of boys and girls and herself yeah I think that is exactly right. If she if she sees in a book someone with short hair, she will say um, it's a boy. And so we have the uh, then the um, the job to tell her that no, not not all boys have short hair and not all girls have long hair. And uh, we try to point out examples where um, in you know in different situations where that isn't the mm. case. Um, yeah. So so I'd say you're definitely right that by now she she does start to see those differences. Mm. Um, but I think that it's it's as you said it, it kind of uh, it just creeps in because these are the values that we have. Um, so we we do have some kind of feminist books and things like that for her, like of women that have done great yeah. things. And as a, and as a LGBT couple as well, we try to have make sure her books that she reads at night are um, are have a lot of different representation, different yeah. races, different family dynamics, different. Um, like girls doing amazing things. So um, yeah, so I think for us, we feel as much as for as an LGBT couple, we know that she, her family dynamic is going to be questioned and things when she's in school. Mm. So I, we want her to have this innate sense of self and know that her, her family, that all families are different and that's absolutely fine. And her family is different than these people. But at the end of the day, you know, families are made by love and the same thing to me with um with speaking about gender we want her to know that she can do anything and so we've kind of started that from a very young age but in a very age-appropriate way just about how um you know amazing she is and how she can do anything she wants and um you know that her friend toby can also do anything he wants and you know yes yeah, so i think it's just it, it creeps in because this is the kind of people that we all are yeah and actually when you said all that it reminded me when you said about the books we have um, because obviously in your mind, you know, you're you're mentioning LGBT in terms of how, you know, you want her to absorb that. And in my mind, I'm thinking about how we have a multiracial family. So a lot of the books I was making sure there's a book and I think it's called like My Family or something. And it's literally got all these different families with gay couples, with black and white couples, with every, every reading. And it's such a beautiful book. And I love that kind of thing and there's so much of it about and those are the books that have to fill her shelf and so I guess yeah naturally I was really keen for her to be exposed to that and so I just you know that's my hope for her is that she will never question something and think that's strange and just be like oh yeah because you know my friend um that's his mum and that's his mum or oh yeah and because he's mixed race and that you know like I so that was always very much an important thing for me in a slightly different way but still like you say diversity yeah. and um actually for world book day um even though she'll never remember only from pictures i dressed her up as um a character called rocket from a book called look up and um it's a little brown girl she's really clever she's into like space and it's a really funny story as well and the, you know it's quite light-hearted but i just thought for me that represented you know my passion to want to um encourage her as you know this little you know mixed race girl who can go after whatever she wants and obviously you know studying space hasn't typically been something that you know a traditional mm. thing that women have been into so I think as much as I might say now I'm in survival mode I had all these grand ideas I actually have followed through on some of them um in a bit more of a natural way you know like well book day okay I know who can I um use as a great sort of um character and as a role model that is where it's not too contrived and um the picture she looked quite i managed to find a really cool astronaut outfit for her that fit her as well it's like a baby astronaut outfit oh, yeah so it, was, it ended up being quite a cool picture but i think you're right i think it is about you know how we are will naturally come across and and shape well, it will just give them fertile ground to then make their own decisions. Yeah. But they certainly won't be restricted yeah. thinking, oh, that's strange. Anything that's different is strange, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Exactly. And that's all we want at the end of the day is for them to be able to have those choices and, and uh, yeah, and be able to do whatever they, whatever they set their mind to. So my final point on this um, is would you call yourself a feminist mother and do you think it's been an easy ride never an easy ride hell no I can answer that straight <laughs> no do you know what um I don't know I, this is how stupid I don't I feel like I don't know what feminist means anymore because it's interesting from this conversation 
it's well actually I feel like now I've reclaimed the word in my mind from what you guys said and that was it's about choices whereas I started to feel like the word feminism or being a feminist was synonymous with anti-traditional woman mm. and actually mm. what if you want to do something that is very traditionally what is considered feminine because that's how you feel you know and so is that yeah. does that mean you're not a feminist you know so I started to become a little bit confused by the word in recent times and I think that if what it means is choice and allowing ourselves to feel like we can choose and how you have this amazing partnership that's so unique and covering each other's bases which is so great like that is being a feminist and if and if that's what that means then yeah I definitely am um a feminist mum and want to continue in that vein and no it's not been easy <laughs> it's been really hard <laughs> really really hard but the most yeah. rewarding job ever and the irony of maternity leave holiday no there's not no it's like harder than being at work <laughs> like we're like I'll go to work scrambling out the door no I'm kidding um so yeah it's, it's, time time to think yeah so, yeah, yeah, so yeah. even just a little break even just going to the loo or just the amount of times in the early days with, with summer where I'd like take her to the loo with me. I'd be sat there on the loo, you know, like you glued to the baby. Like it's so difficult. Yeah. Um, and I used to just, I used to, on a serious note, I used to just think, how do a lot of you know parents and it, not just mothers, but any child, any parent that is like the key caregiver, how do they survive like mentally mm. and physically in that first year? Like I feel like people don't really fully talk about how difficult it is because. I thought some of the things I've done in my life were difficult and they don't, they pale into insignificance when it comes to being a new mum. Don't want to scare you, please, but. <laughs> my God, I've only got three weeks left. Oh my um, goodness. Oh, you look really good for three weeks left. I would have been falling apart on the seams by now. I wasn't. It's from, from the nipples up, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, Sarah, same question to you guys. Yeah, I will definitely, I would definitely feminist mums, definitely for sure. And, yeah. um, and it, you know, this next baby, it, whether it's a boy or a girl, I think it'll be great for us to be able to, um, to pat, do exactly what we've done with Annabelle with the, with the next baby and, uh, and give them the choices. And if it's a boy and he likes, um, glitter and tutus like his sister, then that's great too. And yeah, so I think it's just, yeah choice yeah. is choice and empowerment and I think as long as we continue to show that there are options and whatever they want to do is is fine by us then if that makes us feminist then definitely we are we are feminist mums and I think to uh, to Sarah Jane's point it's never easy but I think as they get older it becomes the work you put in becomes more and more evident and that makes it so worthwhile because yeah. the moment you're child walks out there and, and defends their right to choose is a really empowering moment and the moment they turn around and say no to being a stereotype or, or a perceived concept is is just amazing and I mean we're only two and a half years in and and just seeing yeah the, the kind of capabilities they have to to perceive their own strength and then tell others about it is just incredible I think I want Summer to be friends with your little girl she sounds yeah. like a great influence Sarah Laura I just wanted to grab you for two more minutes and just kind of understand what your key takeaways were from this conversation because I think mine were were and are you can be a feminist, you can be a mum, you can have a feminist pregnancy, it's not going to be easy, but um, you don't need to change the world because the next generation are going to do it for us. <laughs> and we're changing the next generation, really. Absolutely, yeah. So what was your key takeaway? I, I think to your point, there was so much that we covered. And I think it's the fact that I know everyone always says motherhood is a journey, but I think even adding that kind of feminist aspect into that journey is really important. And I think the fact that, yeah, whether you're the, the biological mum or the not biological mum, it's just clear mm. that becoming a parent is going to do something for your opinion on feminism. And uh, <laughs> Annabelle wants to cover my mouth. <laughs> not sure she agrees with me. But yeah, and I think it's important that we we focus on empowering our children and, and while doing that, not forgetting that it's important to empower us as well. So uh, to Sarah Jane's point about 
making sure that you're kind of staying focused on what's important to you as well is also going to be key to your journey. Yeah, definitely. Laura? Uh, yeah, definitely agree. And I think um, as much as we talk about making sure we're empowering our children and, um, and you know, doing make trying to make them aware of so much. Um, also, we just let them be kids and let them like what they like. And uh, and I think, oh, yeah, ultimately they're they're way more um, attuned to oh, what. A, sorry, hold on. <laughs> What's the word? Like I want to say that she's she's way more aware than we give her credit for, but that's not the word. She's they're way more. They're way more astute than we give them credit for. And uh, and I think, yeah, just by being the best parents we can be and uh, and the best people that we can be, we will influence our children positively. Well, that's all for this episode of Baby on the Brain. A special thank you to my co-hosts, Sarah and Laura, and our guest, Sarah Jane. You can tweet us at Stylist Magazine, find us on Instagram and use the hashtag StylistBabyOnTheBrain. Next week will be the final episode in this series and I couldn't do an episode on the big scary return to work without dragging my own boss in to talk about it. So I will be joined by Lisa Smazarski, editor-in-chief of The Stylist Group, to discuss life after maternity leave. Remember to subscribe, share and leave us a review on the App Store. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.